This podcast is brought to you by the Copywriter Think Tank, our mastermind group for writers who are serious about taking their businesses to the next level. In the Think Tank, you'll learn from guest experts who share their business and copywriting expertise. You'll have the opportunity to sit in the hot seat while other members of the group brainstorm solutions to the challenges you're facing. And you'll have exclusive access to a small, focused group of professional copywriters who are all working together to get better at what we do. It's not cheap, but it's worth the investment. If you're interested in learning more, visit www.copywriterthinktank.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 85 as we talk with copywriter and business owner Misty Mosaico about succeeding as a copywriter while running a whole other business, how she stays sane balancing two businesses while being a mom, her best fitness and nutrition advice, and what she does to stand out as a copywriter in a crowded field. Welcome, Misty. Well, thank thank you very much for having me. This is an honor. It's great to have you here. So I think a great place to start is with your story and how how you ended up running multiple businesses? Um, yeah, you said sane. You mentioned something about my sanity in the intro, and I think we should address that because there's definitely none of that has happened in the past. I'm not sane at all. So that we'll just clear that up right now. But yeah, I think that, you know, I started out as an entrepreneur just after my son was born and he's almost 12. So it's been over a decade now doing my own thing. And the fitness business arose because of my own personal, well, I lost 120 pounds about after my son was born. and, And I figured if I could do it, then everyone could do it. Like seriously, everyone can do it. So I grew a fitness business from that and the copywriting kind of came out of the fitness business because I was writing to my clients and writing to my list every day, unbeknownst to me what even copywriting was or email marketing was. I had no idea. I was just doing it. And then after a few years of thinking, huh, I should probably make some money off of this. I got a mentor and and they kind of helped me really get into email marketing. So the fitness business came first and then the copywriting and the email marketing came second, merely because I needed it as a tool for my business. And then that that little seed kind of grew and blossomed and, and here I am today. So that's the nuts and the bolts of it, really. So let's talk about how you found your mentor. I think we know who it was, or at least one of your mentors. But how did you find that person? And what did that mentorship look like? So, I mean, yeah, I've always had coaches from day one. I quickly realized that in business, you're not going to get very far on your own. And so I definitely try to surround myself with people that can expand my horizons and teach me new things. And if I can learn from different people, then that's really key, which is why obviously I'm in with Brian and, and learning from him now. So... That's always been crucial. So the mentorship with the email marketing started way back in the day with a guy in England called Paul Mort. And then it kind of went on from there. I ended up with the notorious Ben Settle a couple of years ago. And I I worked with him firstly as his podcast announcer and then secondly as a writer for his podcast list. So working with Ben was terrifying, actually, and (laughs) uh, and also also quite wonderful. So a little bit of both, you know, you never know what you're going to get. It taught me a lot. It It really did teach me a lot. A lot about online marketing, email marketing, a world that I wasn't really in when I have a brick and mortar business. You don't really get into that. So he definitely did open my eyes to this world now, which is fantastic. 
Yeah, I remember hearing your name from Ben's show a couple years ago, I guess now, and just wondering, like, who is this Misty person? Like, what's her story? So it comes full circle. So how did you end up becoming his announcer and, and working with him? Well, you know, I was an email player. I was on a subscription list. And so there was a little group. We've gone through quite a few groups, but the, the group back then, he put out an email and maybe a message in that group saying he was looking for a podcast announcer. And I just figured, you know, like I had tons of experience talking every day. So that put me in good stead to be a podcast announcer. So I just said, yeah, I'm going to do this. And so I, I emailed in my application, just said, yep, yeah, I'm pretty good at speaking. So let's do this. And I put on my best British <laughs> accent. And, uh, and I, I really ramped it up for the mic and uh, it went from there. So I was a podcast announcer and I've also got quite a big mouth and, and some wordy fingers. And so I think he saw some of the writing I was doing inside the group and then invited me to, to write for him as well. So I just kind of lagged my way into the podcast announcership position and it all went from there. Okay. So I want to go back a little bit to the fitness business and talk a little bit about some of the things that you learned. You said mm -hmm. that you had lost some weight on your own. And I'm curious, first of all, what that was like. And then second of all, what it's like teaching that to other people. I think losing weight, it's really hard. Like it's one of the hardest things, you know, you'll ever do because food's everywhere, temptation's everywhere, you know. I was like over 300 pounds. And to be honest, like I didn't even really think I was eating that bad. Like I grew up with a terrible diet, you know, just and, and drinking and all the things that you shouldn't do. And, you know, I just didn't think it was that bad until I actually went and got an education on nutrition and became a nutritionist. And that's when, you know, I kind of had my eyes open to me. But losing weight was hard. It took me two and a half years to lose 120 pounds. And it's a longer battle than most really want it to be. And that's when it comes to teaching others, I think that's the hardest lesson is to teach them that it takes a long time. And the older you get, the harder it is. And so if you've ever suffered from obesity or battled weight, it's a longer process than most want. And pretty much no one wants to hear that. So that's a hard sell, but I try to do it anyway. I'm curious, what's a lesson or maybe two lessons you've taken from your experience growing that fitness business? And, and what does that business look like today? Everyone will tell you that their niche is the hardest niche to work in. It's such a hard niche to work in. It's so overcrowded and every niche is the same. But the fitness industry really is a changing landscape and it changes all the time. And it's tricky, right, to keep up because 99% of the fitness industry is complete bull. And there's 1% who's actually trying to do a good job. And so trying to face down Goliath every single day is, you know, it's tiring. So I think the one thing that I've learned is that, especially in the fitness industry, is you have to be very careful with what you sell. You have to sell what people want and you can't sell what people need, which is very, very tricky in the health industry because they're two very, very different things. People want flat abs, but you really want them to be healthy. And those two often don't really <laughs> meet at all. So there's knowing your audience and knowing what they want is very, very important. And also I think, especially if you're looking at a business that has team members where you've got employees or subcontractors, if you have a brick and mortar location, that's you know more than likely. And understanding that people come and go and that employees and subcontractors just won't last forever and that you have to have systems on board uh, to make sure that as people circle in and out of your business, your business isn't affected by individuals that come and go. And I think that is a much deeper business lesson than I can explain right now, but it is so fundamental to anyone looking to expand. Okay, so I have one more fitness-related question. You, knowing that there's so many copywriters who do nothing but sit all day at the computer, you know, working, if you had to do a copywriter fitness program for those of us who just aren't moving enough, what are the first steps that we should be taking or what would that program look like? Well, you know what's funny is like, it's a bit of a black hole copywriting. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but I could sit probably for three or four hours and just 
type stuff and, you know, and just write words and get lost in ideas and thoughts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, hours can go by where you don't really pay attention to what you're doing. And I think one of the biggest things that, you know, and, I, and I've taught this before in the copywriting world is that nutrition goes a long way when you're writing, because if your brain is tired and you've got no carbs or no fuel or anything in there, you're not going to be able to create as well as you should, right? So it feed your brain, feed your copywriting. That's going to be my new slogan forever. So feed your brain, feed your copywriting. The best thing you can do is get a really good nutrient dense shake and just keep it by you because you don't have to get up from your desk. You don't have to move. You can just sip on it, you know, while you're there and it'll just keep feeding your brain. So you keep feeding your copy for a good couple of hours. Okay. I need a shake. I'm like looking around my desk. I'm like, okay, I got coffee. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> coffee. Yeah, less coffee, more avocados. How's that? Okay, I will take it. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned systems in your business that worked for you. And yeah. I know that's a big, big mm. topic, but copywriters also need systems. So what are some systems that you created in your business that copywriters could use? I think, I mean, when, when it comes to systems, I'm, I'm specifically looking at the way that my brain is organized because, you know, most of the time it just resembles like a two-year-old's vomit splattered all over the kitchen floor. And I can't work with that. I need to have, like my brain is very, very creative and it works, you know, a million miles an hour. And I need something in place to help me organize all, all that. And actually, I hired a guy, uh, James Friel, who's actually one of my clients as well. I hired him to come in and put a whole organizational system into my business for both businesses, for the fitness business, which is managed primarily by a team, and the copywriting, which is primarily handled by myself and my virtual assistant. So having a platform that will organize your day-to-day -day is really important. I got James in with his business, Autopilot Entrepreneur, and they came in and just basically, I don't know, you know, like those recipe cards, what do they call it? I don't know what these Americans call them. They're like recipe cards, well, cheat sheet cards. I forget what you guys call them. Anyway, it's like, it's like a bunch of cheat sheet cards, but on your computer and it just gets your brain organized on a day-to-day -day basis. It's fantastic. So I'd say definitely looking into Evernote or Trello or Basecamp, maybe if that's your thing, definitely utilizing one of those tools. If you've got a lot on the go will help keep you somewhat sane, somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> I need recipe cards in my life. You know, it, it sounds stupid, but I don't know how I'd operate if I didn't have my online organizational tools to keep me straight, you know? So, Missy, when you started as a copywriter, you mm -hmm. mentioned that you started writing for yourself. How did you yeah. find the first client that wasn't your own business? What did you do to find that person? In my fitness business, that was a momentous day. I'd been, I'd been working for other fitness businesses and gyms and, and stuff like that for a while. And this was back in the day, like 10 years ago, but so much has changed. The first client I ever got came to me through my website, actually. And it was one of those, you know, I had like the cheesiest little opt-in form or whatever. And she was just looking for a personal trainer to come to her home. And, you know, and that was great. I didn't have a studio back then. So that was fantastic. So they actually came through the website and the website was handwritten by me with absolutely no knowledge of SEO or any anything resembling any kind of wisdom in that area but I just I had written this heartfelt website and I put all my stuff in it and then she came to me through the website and was like I want you to be my trainer and I still train her to this day so I think something worked well there back, back then it was the first client ever is quite an occasion something to be celebrated I think it does feel miraculous when that first person who you've never really heard of before finds you somehow and is willing to pay you money I remember that moment as yeah. well <laughs> You're going to pay me money? Wow. Right. And you're not related to me. You're not a friend. This is great. So I want to hear about the moment in your business where you realized, hey, I can do this writing thing. Like this is another business and I'm good at it. And there's an opportunity here. Do you remember that moment? Or maybe it's a sequence of events that took place? 
Yeah, I think like I've always written from the heart. Like a lot of my writing, I mean, you saw a little bit the other day inside the Titans group. A lot of the writing like that I do for email marketing, even for my clients, is pulled from my own memories, my own pains, my own experiences, of which there have been many. And so I, I never really thought that that was going to get me anywhere. I was just doing that because it felt good. It felt cathartic. And, you know, I figured it would help someone somewhere along the line. The change really came when I started writing for monetary gain that wasn't my business. The change really came when I started writing for somebody else and realizing that my words could make somebody else money was a very interesting, like I've always written and made myself money in my business, but you know, I've got a website, I've got referrals, I've got a team of, you know, all that kind of thing. But realizing that directly my emails could make somebody else's business flourish, that was a game changer. And I think it's sequential. Like I think a series of launches really proved that to me and how easy it was to make money from proper email marketing and launch series and, and good writing. That I think that's was and that was probably over the past four, three or four years, I would say. And as you did that, what were the things that you did to improve your writing? Uh, you know what? And this is for every copywriter. Just knowing what to take out is really important. Understanding when you're beginning to meander. Like I do email marketing coaching and a lot of clients that start out with me, the copy is very wishy-washy. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of concepts, a lot of ideas. And understanding which idea to hook onto and go with, that's a really important skill to kind of harness. Understanding what your main message is. And I think I've really been able to narrow that down over the years is finding that one little hook and then powering forward with that and writing an emotive, motivational piece or email or whatever it's going to be just on that. So I think learning to cut and learning to, and this sounds awful, but learning to dumb it down a little. Like I can write run on sentences like no one's business, but learning to put a period in here and there has been, you know, it's been a real game changer. <laughs> the Hemingway app really yeah. helped me actually. Yeah. So that was a really great app. It was... <laughs> I was going to say that your British accent makes you, of course, sound smarter than, you know, us, we Americans, but that doesn't come through in uh, copywriting. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I've got a quite a conversational tone. So I, I personally had to be careful of writing too much like I speak. I mean, you do have to do that a little bit, but yeah, making it a little bit more, you know, pure, I think is the word is, was really cr critical for me as a copywriter. Yeah, we interviewed Bond Halbert recently and he said, you know, you really need to write at a third grade level which was surprising. I knew it was like a fifth grade or maybe eighth grade level, but he said third grade level. Third grade, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I try to keep it around like five, five, six, especially for, you know, email marketing, that kind of stuff. But I do know that you can get so much across in so few words. And, you know, mastering that is awesome. Get Using less words with more emotion, I think is awesome. Would you typically pull from your own life, your own pain when you're working with clients? Do you have a good way of doing that? Is that really important to your process? I think one of the things that I've learned is only take on clients that you can really relate to. Like you'll never see me working in the political niche or the finance niche because I don't care about either and I'm useless with both. So I have nothing to give in the, in those areas. But when it comes to internet marketing, when it comes to being an entrepreneur, when it comes to fitness and health, when it comes to supplements, when it comes to nutrition, all of these things I can write, you know, really well because I've done it for 10 years. I've been doing it. So I think it's really important that you only take on clients that you actually can, you know, you have some part of your life that will, will relate to it so you can pull from that part of your life and try to remember back what it felt like the pain the solutions the emotion and all that kind of stuff so you can put it into the copy so you know what you're talking about i think that's really key yeah so who who are some of your clients like what type of clients and projects are you working on today 
I have a, a health company out in British Columbia, Canada, and then I have James, who's down in now in Idaho. He works closely with Mr. Russell Brunson. So James is running the Autopile Entrepreneur, and so I'm, I'm helping him with his daily emails. And then I'm selling supplements and health-related products through a company called Cell Health. So those are the two main ones right now, as I have the, and obviously the boot camp as well. So because I've done email marketing coaching, I've worked with people who have clients in so many different genres, like everything. But the email marketing coaching really gave me a sort of a wide knowledge of what is it? What's the expression? I know a little about everything. Master of one, jack of trades of, oh, you know, anyway, that, that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I know, I know a lot, but not in depth. So it's really important in the copywriting that you go right back into, into what you know in depth and you can really, you know, really pull out some of that raw emotion. But yeah, I'm in I am space and health, typically. That's where you'll find me hanging out. So can we talk about daily emailing for a minute? You've done it for Ben. You just mentioned that you were doing it for clients today. I think you do it in your own business as well. Why do you email every day? What's the impact on the business? Should we be worried about unsubscribes and all of those things that we hear about You know, pestering our list too much? What are your thoughts on that? It's really interesting. I just did a teaching. I jumped in to teach a course with a friend of mine out in Calgary. And, you know, she wanted me to to teach on daily email marketing, which was fantastic because that's what I do. And I couldn't have met a more resistant group of people. It just all of them were just appalled by the fact that you would pester your... One of them said that I... Why would I spit emails at your clients every day? And I was like, well... It's not, I wouldn't say spitting is a little harsh, but I think what they're, what they're misunderstanding is I'm not going at my list every day and hammering them with a sale or a discount or buy this, do this. You've, you know, you've only got three minutes left before the world implodes. Like I'm not really there to do that. You can email your list daily as long as you're helping, as long as your sole intention is to help people. And as long as your sole intention is to give and to serve, then no one can complain about that. And if they do, then they're welcome to leave the list, right? Because you can't get berated for helping people. So I think that's the switch that needs to be made with people when it comes to email marketing. As long as you go out there to serve and to offer you know, good advice and some value and to help them along their way, then you can email as many times a day as you like. And what's the impact on your list? Do you see that people are falling off? Do you see higher engagement? I think that there's two impact, the impact to the list and the impact to my business. The impact to the list, I have people email me, you know, they get into a routine with the emails. They know the email is going to come out at 7am in the morning. So they get on the train, they hop on the train to Toronto, they have their coffee, they open up their email and they see my email and they're going to read that email on the train because they know that email is going to have something really worthwhile in it for them today that they need to hear. And so if I don't email or the emails shift to a different day or I'm in a launch, whatever, I will get emails from my clients saying, hey, where's your email today? What you didn't, did you not send your email today? Did I not get it? Have I been taken off the list? Did you get me off your list? Did you kill me from the list? I'm like, dude, chill. Like, so there's a lot higher engagement. Obviously, the more that you email, the more that you'll sell. So that the impact on the business brings consistency in sales. It takes a long time to nurture the list. So if you're consistently there offering help and solutions every day, eventually someone will buy from you. And that, you know, that long-term commitment to it really does bring in consistency when it comes to sales. Plus, it makes it easy if you have a new product to launch or a new book or whatever it is, they're much more receptive to a launch series than, say, someone who hasn't heard from you in six months. And do you batch write all of your emails or are you sort of writing them out a day or two in advance or even the night before? How does that process work? 
Yeah, like typically, like, you know, in a perfect world, I usually would batch three or four at a time. So I'll write four, schedule them, then write three, and then schedule them. So that's typically the way it goes. If, however, you know, life is insane and, you know, I'm just not feeling it, then I'll just write them every day on the fly. Like some of the best emails I've written have been like in the garage waiting for my oil change. Like I wrote this one about nipple tassels because I was a burlesque dancer <laughs> for one sordid night. And that email was about, you know, overcoming fears and, and all that kind of jazz. And and so I wrote the nipple tassel email and that was written while I was getting a trailer hitch put on for my car on my phone. And that was like one of the best emails that ever, you know, that ever went out. The response was amazing. I want to be able to link to that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a link to nipple tassels, please. <laughs> we will link to that. <laughs> Oh, there are some people listening. I think I'm just one of them. I'm like, okay, it seems to come so easily to you, so naturally. And yes, you are focused on your niche, which is like email marketing. But when you're sitting down to write, it sounds like sometimes it just kind of pours out. But do you have any processes or formulas that you're following with these emails or anything that you have taught before? When I first start writing for somebody else, it doesn't come as naturally sometimes, you know, you've got to really think about the different, you know, especially if you're doing seven emails a week, or, you know, whatever you're doing, you really have to kind of give it some thought. And so sometimes what I'll do is, you know, if I'm driving or just puttering around the house or whatever, if I have an idea for an email that might work, I'll just pop it down in my notes section of my phone. And then when it comes to sitting down later on and actually thinking, all right, now I got to spend an hour or two doing some work, I can go back to the notes and say, oh, yeah, I had that idea that came from that song I was listening to, or I was remembering back to when I was a kid and this idea popped up. So I think in the beginning, just writing down some of the ideas that come into your head, wherever you may be, and then, you know, coming back to them later, that, that really, I really helped me out in the beginning a lot. And the processes are, you know, when it comes down to email marketing, it, I'm super simple. Like it's like big sort of like skeezy slap you in the balls type opening statement that'll catch someone's attention. A little bit of background information, go into the story, a nice juicy call to action, which everyone screws up really badly, and then lead into the link. And that's pretty much the formula for everything, for life. <laughs> so how do you capture the voice of your clients in the emails? Writing for your own business has got to be very different from writing for someone like Ben Settle or someone like James. Mm -hmm. You know, What do you do to make sure that you're writing with their voice? I have been very, very lucky. And a lot of my clients give me free reign, which is not typical. A lot of clients will expect you to assume the voice instantly, which is tricky, right? Sometimes. But luckily, I actually worked with James for about a year prior to me writing emails for him. So that gave me a lot of, a lot of just time with James, right? Just to see how he talks. He's sarcastic like me, you know, so it, that that worked out really well. Ben actually just let me write from my own name, which was great. He introduced me to the list and then I just took it from there and it, I was writing as Misty. So that was lovely. And then my client in BC really wanted a much stronger voice. And so I suggested that they we create an avatar called Sarah. And Sarah was also an RHN, just like me, shockingly. And so Sarah, RHN, is basically my voice. So I've been able to work with clients who let me use the voice that I'm, you know, sometimes you have to swear a little less. And sometimes you have to be a little bit more PC and those kinds of things. But yeah, I've been lucky enough to work with clients who have let me muscle in and use my own voice, which is fantastic. Yeah. So are you still working with Ben? No, no, not anymore. We, I've got the business. I've got a bunch of clients here. So I've got a lot on my plate. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I want to ask you about all of that on your plate. But you mentioned, <laughs> you know, everyone screws up the call to action. What, what do you mean everyone <laughs> screws it up? And how do we not screw it up? 
Well, it's funny. I just did this email to my list. I have a list called the cow list, which is copywriters of the world. And I just call them my cows, which is awful. And God forbid I ever get the fitness list and my copywriting list mixed up because that'd be (laughs) terrible. (laughs) So my cow list is a lot of people that have just kind of jumped on the Missy train over the years. It's a small list and I write to them. I used to write to them daily. I write to them once a week now, but my, my email, they're called email hot seats. And what I do is it's an open invitation for me to help anybody on my list. Right. So Molly, Molly Pearson from, from Titans actually emailed in and and she was at her, her email hot seat last week was about her CTA. And so last week's email was specifically about her call to actions and how to make them a bit more beefy. And call to actions to me, you know, they're the most important part of any email or anything that goes out. That's the part that tells people what to do next. And so if you screw it up, they're not going to do the thing that you want them to do. So you do really have to pay a lot of attention to what you're saying in there. I always tell people they should, you know, in an email, at least it should be at least a hundred words focused on, you know, trying to get them to that next stage, whether it's clicking the link or, you know, solving problems for them by clicking the link or whatever it's going to be. So I really think that call to actions are one of these things that people just try to slide in the back door without anyone noticing, just kind of being like, oh yeah, and if you want to buy my stuff, click here. Whereas I believe it should be, you know, part of the entertainment. It should be part of the whole show and not just something that's kind of like, you know, snuck in trying to get in there without anyone noticing. So I definitely think in emails, it should be at least a hundred words, if not a little more, but not sleazy, not salesy, just, you know, honest, true and helpful. So just be more bold with our call to action. Bold, but not in the way that some people are just like, you know, if you don't click this link now, you know, you're going to be an idiot and you're never going to be able to buy anything ever again and everything's going to, you know, not like that. Like more sort of like be really raw and honest with them. If you click this link, you know, this is what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen when you click this link, right? And then whatever, you know, whatever you're selling or whatever it's going to be. I really like to be honest with people when it comes, I'm not one for trying to slide things under people's, you know, noses without them, them knowing. I will be really upfront and honest with them. But at the same time, let them know what problem. I will truly fix for them should they buy this product or click this link or watch this video or whatever it is that we're doing that day. Okay. Yeah, this is a good reminder. I actually realized for our email going out from the copywriter club tomorrow, I did not add the call to action at all. So Mm, thank you for that. There you go. Thank you for that reminder. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) I want to ask about juggling both. And I'm just like how Mm -hmm. you mentioned that maybe you're not as sane as we we said in your introduction, but how are you managing what sounds like a thriving, two thriving businesses right now, plus, you know, being a mom and staying healthy? How do you do all of it? Please help us. It's well, there's a lot of wine. It's a lot of wine. So. so there's that. Yeah. So no. So I think like, I mean, I got divorced six years ago. So or maybe even seven now, I've forgotten, right? So it's been, I've been on my own for a little bit trying to, you know, juggle all these things and, and keep everything running and grow businesses. The good news is I really enjoy working. I really enjoy what I do. I love people, you know, I love, you know, very sociable. So I really do enjoy getting out there and being front and center. So that's not hard. I think the most important thing has been my team of trusted and loyal trainers and assistants and accounts managers. And, you know, they've stuck with me through the past 10 years. And I think that and there's no way, there's no way I could do both without these people. So the larger portion of the credit does go to the people I've surrounded myself with, including my mentors as well. Like they're not to be forgotten because they've kept me upright when I've really felt like burning it all to the ground. So I think there's definitely other people. <laughs> it's not me, it's them. <laughs> As I listen to you talk about this, there's so many things that you've done right in your business, Misty. And I just wonder, is there a failure that sticks out to you that you look back and think, oh man, I wish I could have avoided that? Oh God, there's so many. I mean, 
I don't know this. I fi- share all of them. Just share all. Oh of them. God, yeah, we've, got, we've got an hour, right? <laughs> we've got a long time. We're gonna need more than an hour, my friends. I think you know. So this is gonna sound really hokey, but I don't believe in failures, right? Like I believe in lessons, and it, it feels like a failure at the time. And you might sit on the couch crying into a yet another bottle of wine, and at the time it might feel like, oh my God, everything's ending. I can't do this anymore. But actually, when you look back, it's like, oh well, you know. I'm glad that kind of happened now, right? So I think I think when I look back over the over the years, definitely the hiring process. Again, this speaks to people who are you know looking to to build their team. I've hired some. I've just hired people I shouldn't have hired. I mean, I you know I don't know what I was thinking when I hired them. So I've definitely made some mistakes in the hiring process. So fine tuning the hiring process and listening to your gut, not what it says in the resume or what what it says in the cover letter. That's really critical. And trusting your gut instead of facts and data, that's really critical. So I definitely think I've learned some lessons there. I also learned a big lesson that I took on a client. I shouldn't have taken that client. It was a copywriting client. I shouldn't have taken them on. It's way outside my field of expertise it was in the sexual education and I, you know and I like sex I figured I could do it and you know what I learned my lesson stay in your niche stay in your lane don't try to venture out it's just going to be it's not it's going to be a waste of time for both parties and so that was a really good lesson to learn is the grass is not greener <laughs> let me just tell you that so I think you know though it, it, there's just so much you can just so much you can say right over the years I think another one is realizing or don't do it on your own right don't don't you're not an island no man can do this alone make sure you reach out and have a team of people and team of mentors around you that's key I love that advice I especially like reframing failure as experimenting so you're never failing you're always learning that's something that Kira and I talk yeah. about all the time you know with people that we're working with and in our own business, it's like, hey, it's okay to try things if you don't expect success. If you expect to learn something and if things work, you keep doing them. And if they don't work, then you cut the losses and, and move on. And knowing when to cut your losses is also really, really helpful. And it's usually earlier than later. I give people seven days. And if we're moving apart, not coming together, I will just do a full, full refund and off you go, you know, have a nice life. Go find someone that can help you better. Obviously, I'm not that person. So I think knowing when to say goodbye, to free up your time for bigger and better projects is really, is especially for copywriters, because you can get very bogged down with stuff that you don't want to do just because you need the paycheck or you've got to pay your bills. You know, it's kind of scary to say no when you're in that position, but you have to, you have to listen to your gut and you have to say, nope, I'm not going to do this. What do you think are the most critical hires or the first person to hire as a copywriter based on your experience Mm -hmm. hiring this entire team with your other, your fitness business? There's two types of hires, right? There's people that will make you money and there's there's people that will make your life easier. So it really depends where you're at on the spectrum. I would always say in the beginning when you're, you know, you're just starting out and you've not, there's not that much money to go around to kind of throw assistance to go and, you know, handle all your dirty work. I'd say hire people that will make you money. Now, when you're a solopreneur, like you're the main person making money. So I don't know if that applies so much, but getting yourself a virtual assistant or maybe even an in-house assistant will make you money because it will free up your time so you can concentrate on more projects. So you can spin it in that way as well. If you're in the fitness industry or any industry like that, you would hire trainers because they make you more money. It's like they train more, they make you more money, cut and dry, right? So you always try to hire someone who can make you more money to begin with. Don't hire frivolous people just to go do your dry cleaning, right? Just make sure that when you hire someone, you understand that that person has been hired so you can do X, Y, Z, so you can make more money so you can have a bigger business. It's really important that you don't just hire any old Joe on the street to just do whatever. They've got to have a purpose, especially the first hire. 
really, really important. And once you have hired them, what is the best way to manage them? Again, especially if it's like your virtual assistant, because I have hired people and it has not worked out as well. And it's on me because I did not delegate well. What mm-hmm. advice would you give to copywriters who are making this first hire? I'd say, you know, you need open communication. You need a forum, an organized forum. I use Trello to have open communication with every single member on your team. The first hire, the way that you manage your first hire is the way that you're going to manage the rest of them, right? And so if you don't have open communication or a place where you can have precise communication and not just fluff, I don't do fluff. I don't even have salutations on my emails. I just want to get straight to the point. And a lot of my VAs have to get to grips with that. It doesn't really come across as super pleasant, but I'm just getting to the nitty gritty. If you can have a forum whereby all the projects are organized and you can have that, you know, you tag in people and have conversations. I use Basecamp with one of my clients. They prefer Basecamp. I use Trello in my own business. Both of them have the ability to put up documents, have conversations, have brainstorming sessions, all that kind of jazz. So definitely managing them via, you know, not via text, not via phone, not via Facebook, none of those things. Get yourself a proper tool to talk with them. And so everyone can see visually whereabouts in the pipeline the project is at. Okay, cool. And you mentioned stay in your own lane stay in your lane <laughs> keeps popping up so at our recent event brian kurtz talked about going really deep and yes really and like that's what's going to turn you into the million dollar copywriter and i feel like that's something where for a while i was scattered too and i was like oh i could jump in and become a health writer i could become a financial mm-hmm. writer and try all these different spaces and then i realized no no, no just like focus on launches until you do it yeah. really well and then yeah. look elsewhere So can you just speak a little bit more to that? Because I think we get a lot of mixed messages about how fast we should learn and how soon we should pivot in our own businesses. I've been doing health and nutrition. So I'm a holistic health copywriter, right? That's my title. That's what that's what I will be venturing forth into the world from here on out. I'll be Misty RHN, holistic health copywriter. And the reason I'm going to be a holistic health copywriter is because I'm a registered holistic nutritionist. So that makes a lot of sense. I have a vast knowledge in this area and I have done for the past 10 years. So it makes sense. And oh, I love it. So that, that really helps. You know, it makes sense that I, that I get into this. I already have a lot of experience. So anybody looking for anything to do with health and any copy you do around, you know, health products or that, that type of stuff, obviously they're going to want the best. And that's going to be someone who's been doing it for a long time or even someone with a designation. So that's why I'm going into this. But I think what happens is with just time, just time and dealing with people and experience and just having clients in this field, you just get a knowledge that you can't gain from Google, right? If I was to jump into like, I don't know, the financial field, the only information I'm going to have for that is from Google, right? Maybe talking to a couple of people, but I won't have enough sort of layered information. I won't have that depth of knowledge that I can bring to the writing. I just won't because I haven't had the experience. And so I think finding the thing that you've been doing the longest and turning that into your copywriting lane is, you know, is ideal. If you're a brand new copywriter and you haven't got 10 years of, you know, holistic nutrition experience, then you must focus on the thing that you're passionate about because then it won't be as hard to do all the research and learning and, you know, and get that experience that you need. So once you have niche experience, what are the things, Misty, that you do in particular to improve your writing experience or to improve your business skills? Oh, I'm just so good, Rob. I don't need to improve. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Every time that I get a new client, right, it's really everyone will stagnate. Everyone will stagnate at one point. There's no if you don't get any new clients, you don't do any new reading, or you don't read. You know, if you don't keep on educating, you will stagnate, and your writing will never change. 
I'm lucky in the fact that I've had a lot of clients and that I've had my ass handed to me on several occasions all the time, like recently too. And every time that you have a new client and they don't like what you've done, it's a chance to learn. Every time you have a new client that has a different opinion than you, that's a chance to learn. You know, you can look at the books as well. I mean, there's a ton of great books out there. There's a ton of great courses. But I think my experience, I prefer to get my experience on the job. I prefer to look at my clients and say, okay, well, you know, what is it that they're used to, where have they learned from? Anytime they throw a name out there, I'm like, oh, what was that again? And then I'll go Google that person and make sure I understand their preference and, you know, with that writing style. I think it's listening. If you want to be a good writer, you have to be a better listener. And I think that's key. And just, you know, and honestly, doing things wrong is a great way to learn how to do things right. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I think the key part is just, like you said, you've worked with a lot of clients on a lot of different projects and every single project, you learn something new from that client. You do. Easy. It seems like you have a partnership mindset, whereas it's really easy to look at clients, sometimes even like the enemy. Mm -hmm. Like, why would I want to listen to them? Why would I want to learn from them? I know more than them, but it seems like you have a, a, a more holistic mindset about actually learning from them and that they do know something and they can teach you along the way. Well, I think the best partnerships are one, you know, they're always give and take and that goes across the board, right? You've got relationships everywhere, right? At home and in business. And you're never going to get anywhere without some give and take. So I know that I know my stuff really well. Like I, what I do, I, no one else knows how to do what I do, right? But who cares? My client didn't come to me for what I do. It's what they want and what they've seen success in. So, you know, it's not my way or the highway, which it, it, it is in my household, but it's not in my copywriting. But I think that understanding that you just can't dictate, you just have to listen. There's, you have to push back. You know, you definitely have to push back and say no, you know, and I will preface all of that with um, anytime I'm going to push back on a client, I'll be like, you know what, I'm going to be blunt with you now, but, you know, and then I'll go into what I think they should do. And, you know, they'll either like it or not. You have to be a fairly non-emotional as well, which really helps taking the emotion out of that relationship is, is helpful as well. So you don't get sucked into the drama and the, you know, hurt feelings and all that kind of jazz. Misty, as I listen to you talk about your business, it feels to me like a lot of your clients don't see you just as a copywriter, but they see you as a business partner or as a consultant. Are there specific things that you've done in order to elevate yourself as a trusted partner or as a consultant that other copywriters could learn from? Yeah, you know, as I, as I said, I'm pretty blunt and I don't mince words and I've been doing this a while. And so when I see something that I think needs improvement, I don't hesitate to let my client know. And that often can feel like stepping out of bounds, right? It's almost like you're overstepping the copywriter client line. But I think that you have to do that sometimes, you know, delicately. And, you know, don't just sort of muscle in there. You know, you go in there with some suggestions, which I, you know, the only reason that I'm writing with a pen name right now and, uh, you know, I've been able to elevate my client's email marketing to come from an RHN, a, you know, a designated person with some kind of, you know, certifications is because I went there and I'm like, listen, I'm a holistic nutritionist. Do you think we should not use that somehow? You know, we could create this. We could do this. I can write in this voice, which is much more like me. And so having those brainstorming sessions and not being scared of really saying your opinions can be quite helpful. Just go easy because you have to remember they're a CEO too. So, you know, it's like putting two rams in a cage. <laughs> One of you has got to think about it a little bit, right? So you just go in there and offer suggestions and it all, have you guys read the book, The Go-Giver? No, but I've heard of it. Dude. I saw you mention it, so Dude. I wrote it down. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if there's one book that anyone listening right now needs to go out and get, it's The Go-Giver. And, and that's what my business mindset comes from. It wavered a little bit. It has over the years. I've been like, no, 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 screw those people. But 
it's all come back to that and the sense of giving before you getting. And that's, you know, that's what it is with relationships. That's what it is with copywriting. That's what it is in the fitness business. It's give before you get. And so always go with a helping hand. And unless you're a real jerk, you're not going to have any problems with that, right? Yeah, no, that's a great recommendation. And I think part of it too is like choosing your battles with clients too, because there mm-hmm. are some things like with a sales page that you know would really help. And there are just other minor details, wordsmithing that you could let go and it's not a big deal. So just remember to choose your battles wisely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to ask you a big question. Okay. What does the future of copywriting look like? What does it look like or what do I hope it looks like? Well, it could be both. <laughs> what do you hope and what do you think the reality is? You know, copywriting's great because everybody needs words, right? And good copywriters know how to make visions in people's heads into lovely, beautiful, persuasive words on a page. And so there's never going to be a shortage of need for copywriters, which is beautiful. Not a lot of industries can say that in this day and age, right? So I think, you know, looking forward, there'll always be, you know, as, especially as we move to more and more online stuff, there's always going to be a need for for good copywriters, right? So that's what I think it's going to look like. There's going to be an abundance of work. And so we can forget scarcity. We can forget all that. There's going to be so much work. We're not going to know what to do with it. What I hope it looks like though, is very different. I hope in the future that we can get away from the smoke and mirrors. I hope that we can get away from the fake portions of it and the lies that come out. I hope that we can get away from the bolstering and the the boasting, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like I really despise all of that in the copywriting world. Like I wish we could get to a more honest and unique and authentic voice. And I think there are definitely copywriters that do that. And that's fantastic. I do think as in any industry, there's a large portion of it's just, they like to embroider the truth. So I think I'd like to see less of that, more authenticity and understanding that there's going to be tons of work for everyone. So we don't need to do all those you know, silly little moves. <laughs> I like your future. I stand behind your future. You can lead the charge. Thank you. So what happens next for you? What's happening in businesses and life? What's coming up next? We touched on it briefly. In my personal life, I've moved, which is wonderful. And so I've now got myself into another family. We've got a blended family now. So we've got four children now. And we've got, you know, new house, all this kind of stuff's going on in the background, which really opens your horizons in a whole different way. And you can use that in, in your business as well. So I think that in the, in the personal realm is going, you know, fantastically. The copywriting is just getting bigger and better and I'm getting more and more referrals. Like I made a promise to myself. And the only way, that I'm going to run this new business, this copywriting business in the holistic health niche and the email marketing business. The primary focus is going to be fun. If it's not fun, I'm not going to do it because I've done 10 years of hard ass grind. (laughs) I don't want to do it anymore. So I'm super focused on fun projects, working with fun people, you know, going to events, getting out there, doing that kind of stuff. And I think if more people would take the fun route rather than the, oh, I got to pay my bills route, I think, I think we'd all be a bit happier. Awesome advice. Excellent. Thank you so much for you know coming on and sharing so much good wisdom all the way through. Misty, if people want to connect with you, where should they go? Where should they find you? You know, just go on Facebook. For the love of God, just go on Facebook. I'm on there mostly so they can go under Teresa Misty RHN and just, you know, send me a message. Don't stalk me, you know, just send me a message and ask me the question that you want answered and I will answer it for you. Are you talking to me about stalking you? Yes, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I need a little bit. No, I just, you know what, I really enjoy speaking with people and helping people. So instead of them just, you know, nosing around for a little bit, I'd much rather than just send me a PM and just be like, hey, so 
this is the deal. And I'll be like, cool, let's do this. So I think that's the easiest way is, is just to get me on Facebook and, and, and hit me up with a message. Excellent. Sounds great. All right. Thank you, Misty. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.